You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Everybody loves cornhole. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Five receivers going out here. Cousins going deep downfield and adjusting and making the grab is Stefan Diggs for the touchdown. Going to miss that. Definitely going to miss that. Watching Vikings games. And there's a reason why Jonathan Harrison played a Stefan Diggs clip, because this is the end of the the, the, the end of the week of the Stefan Diggs speculation and trade coming to uh, a conclusion here. We're gonna dive in on Mackie and Jeb with Rami, but this is gonna be one of our most fun shows we've done, I think, this year, because we are unveiling Mackie and Jeb with Rami's action movie rewind, episode number one today in about thirty minutes. Bloodsport. Hold all of your comments and thoughts. Uh, did and you notice we were completely quiet, Phil? There was no reaction. Rami and I, I, I said and Jonathan, nothing. I said nothing. nothing. We will review. Nothing. I said nothing. A classic action movie today at four thirty, <laughs> and then we will pick a new one for next week, and it won't be you. We will. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> at fi- at five o'clock today, uh, Friday Fun Day continues, and this will be the first episode of Mackie and Jeb with Rami learning a new sport. We will learn cricket today, gentlemen, from our friend Stephen Quinn Quino from the Crafty Rogues and uh, other things. Can also. we start that with my theory on cricket that it's not a real sport that they just oh, great. they just make highlights yes. and send them over here. That make no sense. Yes. Okay. All right. That is, that's exactly how we will the start. The ball is going every which way. There's a there's like a stick behind the batter that they call a wicket, I think, and they're like bouncing the ball off the ground. The bat is weird shaped. There isn't a fence. There's just like this weird line that the outfielders can't step. It makes no sense, and it's not a real sport. It's just a prank on America. Yep. So we'll dive into all of that with Quino. <laughs> At 5 o'clock today. Also, uh, it's been a week of throwing out different ideas for baseball to experiment with. We did uh, some of that on this show yesterday. I know Score North Live has dove into it. I have... Judd sent an email this morning saying, give me your most outlandish ideas. And I have... You might consider it outlandish, but I have an idea to run by you guys later in the show. This can't be crazier than what Declan threw out there on Score North Live today. Weekdays, noon to 2, by the way, and on Ventline, which is weekdays at 11 a.m. You can hear them anytime you want, scorenorth.com and the Score North app. It can't be crazier than what Declan threw out earlier. Well, we'll find out right. later on in we'll the show. Compare. That'll happen at 5.30 today. But, gentlemen... Football. Let's put a bow on Stefan Diggs' trade week with this question here, okay? And, and by the way, Matthew Collar has a great piece on scorenorth.com he posted yesterday. Uh, just talking to people behind the scenes and really doing a deep dive into why exactly did the Vikings and Stefan Diggs break up? I mean, this is Stefan Diggs is is the guy that caught the Minneapolis miracle, one of the most prominent plays in NFL history. He is your Franco Harris. He is etched in stone as a Viking hero on the field. And two years later, three years later, uh, two years later, the relationship just got to a point where you had to trade him, and so. 
Here's my question for you guys. Regardless of how the marriage ended, to what degree do you think the Vikings will regret trading Stefan Diggs, underutilizing him last year, and then trading him in the prime of his career? Which administration? Are, are we talking about the current one or the one that's going to replace the current one? Because I think the administration that's going to replace Spielman and Zimmer are going to look back and say, what were they thinking? They, ba- I mean, to me, this is not that tough. This is not a story about a guy who decided that he didn't like Minnesota and thought, I want out. Or he didn't like the team uh, and his teammates and thought, or, or he said, you know where, you know where I really want to go? I want to go to a big market team, like the Buffalo Bills, right? So if you force your way out, there can be things that a team can't do. But to me, this is a really simple story of a team that elected to choose Dalvin Cook and the path that Dalvin Cook can take this team down over Stefan Diggs, who is in 2020 a superstar type of receiver, and those are hard to find. I think as far as Mike and Rick are concerned, they did the right thing because Rick got a big haul back, and they're thinking we're going to run the football and maintain possession of the football, and Mike's thinking I'm going to keep my defense fresh. And the next coach who comes along with a new GM is probably going to be an offensive-minded guy who's going to say, boy, Stefan Diggs was a really good player that you traded, and I don't care what you got back, a guy like that is hard to find. So I think the current administration, Rami, is not going to regret it. I think the people that are going to eventually replace these guys, probably in the next year or two, are going to say, what the heck were you thinking trading a superstar from an off from an offensive scheme who would have fit us perfectly and now he's in Buffalo. Actually, Judd, if I mean if they if they're fired and if there is a new administration, then they'll definitely be regretting it because that will be one of the major mistakes they made along the way that got them fired. So they will certainly be regretting it. But a new administration, maybe not, because that's what we keep saying about this Stefan Diggs trade, is that uh, on its own, in a vacuum, Stefan Diggs and trading him in the situation that you were in makes sense. If it was an untenable situation and you had to trade him, you got a haul for him in return compared to what other premier wideouts have gotten in recent years. The Kirk Cousins deal in a vacuum makes sense. I know a lot of people think he's overpaid, but when you look at the landscape of quarterbacks in the NFL and what they get paid nowadays, it's probably about on par of what Kirk Cousins should make. And if he wasn't making it here, somebody else would have paid him to make it elsewhere. That's that's what he's worth, and that's a move that you make to win now. But the two moves together, they don't jive. The Stephon Diggs trade got you assets that will help you down the road. So maybe a new administration will come in and go, great, we have all these draft picks that are just about ready to pop. You know what I mean? These guys are just about ready to go. They're almost, they're just about NFL ready because we've seen that it takes two, three, sometimes four years for rookies to, to reach their maximum potential and, and, and make the maximum impact that they can for a football team. So I think if, if we're talking about a new GM and a new coach two or three years from now and these draft picks pan out in any way, shape, or form, but Spielman and Zimmer aren't here to see it, the next administration might be saying, good job on that Diggs trade, you guys. I know it got you fired, but we got some good football players here, and we're ready to win right now. So here's the intersection that I'm standing at, and this is where I I legitimately don't have an answer to this question because I I I have one answer based on the here and now and the Vikings offense, but then I have another answer based on history and roster construction and which positions matter most. So my my the, the the first road is how will this impact the Vikings right now? And I think I think the Vikings, whether it's this regime or if Judd's right and another regime takes over, I think in the short term, you will look at Stefan Diggs 
maybe not putting up as many yards as he would with an actual quarterback. It's not like it's not like he joined a better quarterback in Buffalo. So I don't think he's going to all of a sudden get to like fifteen hundred yards. Tell that to the people in my timeline, Phil. Like for what, Buffalo people, I yeah, I'm assuming that they're Buffalo people. But yeah, I had a lot of I had a lot of Josh Allen is better than Kirk Cousins no, he in my ain't. timeline. Yeah, I know he's more mobile. I know. So like he might be able to run for a couple more hurdle. first downs. But he he jump really high. He's a good third down running back. We saw that here. Yeah, yeah, but solid third down running back. Can catch the ball out of the backfield. We saw that in the playoffs yeah. last year. I mean, yeah. did you watch that playoff game that that guy played? Like, have you ever seen a quarterback more scared for his life in a playoff game? <laughs> oh. Well, there's some probably some Mitchell Vikings Trubisky. quarterbacks. Last year playoffs. Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> Not last year. Two years ago? Yeah. Yeah, 2000. 2000- but I think I think Stefan Diggs makes Kirk like him not being in the mix unless you replace him with a star left tackle. If you can swap Stefan Diggs somehow, not linearly, but like if you can trade out Stefan Diggs salary and spot and whatever for Trent Williams, okay, like now we can talk. If it's just for draft picks, then the Vikings are worse in 2020 than they would have been with Stefan Diggs. So in the short term, if you're looking at him putting up somewhat decent numbers in Buffalo and thousand yards and scoring touchdowns and on the highlight reels, like they are going to live to regret it in the short term. But over the long run, I found this list. If you look at the top wide receivers, all-time career yardage, and let's just take Jerry Rice and his, I believe, five Super Bowls off the top of that list, okay? Maybe that's not fair to do, but I'm going to take Jerry Rice off this list. Help me count the Super Bowl championships here, okay? These are the greatest wide receivers of all time, Based on yardage, which is a pretty good, if you look at this list, it's a pretty good reflection. Like the top 20, most of the guys you would consider, if not all, the great receivers of all time are on this list. Larry Fitzgerald, zero, right? Okay. Uh, Terrell Owens, zero. Randy Moss, never won a championship. Mm -hmm. Undefeated regular season with the Patriots, never won a championship. Mm -hmm. Isaac Bruce got one, right? 1999 Rams. Yep, Rams. So he got one. Okay. Tony Gonzalez as a tight end is sixth on this list. I don't think he ever won a championship. Played in Certainly Kansas with the City Falcons. And the Falcons. Uh, Tim Brown with the Raiders never won a championship. Okay. Got got beat in the Super Bowl one time. Okay, right. Uh, Steve Smith did he maybe win one? Did he win Baltimore? one with Baltimore? Like at the end? Have, yeah. Somebody can fact check that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think he did. I think their Super Bowls were before Steve Smith got there. So Steve Smith, yeah. Marvin Harrison got one, Reggie Wayne got one, mm-hmm. Andre Johnson, James Lofton mm-hmm. got beat a bunch of times in the Super Bowl. Chris Carter, none. Anquan Bolden, I don't think I don't think he won a Super. Like my point here is, wide receivers are great, and wide receivers put up a ton of yards, and they're super fun. And the Vikings definitely would be better with Stephon Diggs this upcoming season. But like they historically, outside of Jerry Rice, are not the cog for why you win a Super Bowl. Sure, but, so from that perspective, I don't know if they'll regret it. But I, I think the conversation here is the direction in which the Vikings are choosing to go and trend themselves, which to me is the problem. They're picking the wrong path. And that's my problem. Offensively, they are picking the wrong path. They're picking a path I love if I were 15, because in 1985, this path was fantastic. But the problem is they are they are going with they've convinced themselves that or Zim has convinced himself that if he can run the ball and hold on to the football, it's going to help his defense. And therefore, that's the smart thing. And I think he is seeing it wrong. And so this to me is not a conversation about can Diggs win a Super Bowl or can he not? Because that position, no matter how big of a star you are, is probably 
among the most among the important positions in all sports, probably the most helpless one because you're at the mercy of your quarterback, you're at the mercy of the play calling and things around you. But what to put a bow on this situation for me with Stefan Diggs in 2020, I love the haul that they got back, but I think the I think the fact that the receiver came to them and said, "Get me out." should have been instructive, not dismissed. And I feel like it was dismissed as, well, we're picking Dalvin Cook, and and somebody should have been the adult in the room and said, why does a guy who fits football perfectly right now, which Stefan Diggs does, yeah. want out so badly? So because, that's my issue. Because Stephon Di- what Stefan Diggs is saying, and receivers have said this in the past, and they're accused of being divas and being selfish and just wanting their numbers and just wanting their targets. What Stefan Diggs was saying was that, Look, I can do more to help us win football games. Not, I need more receptions. I need more stats for me. He was saying, I'm, I can do more than this. I'm better than what you're doing with me. I, we can, we can win more football games if you used me better. If you used me in a way that other premier wide receivers are used. Instead, Mike Zimmer insists on, no, we run to set up the pass. Dalvin Cook is the center of our offense. And we are not, we're not an offense that, that targets a star receiver a certain amount of times per game or gears an offense towards a certain star wide receiver. And it, honestly, between the two, I don't know as much football as Stephon Diggs or Mike Zimmer, but I think I think Stephon Diggs is right. I think Stephon Diggs could have done more to help the Vikings win football games, and not by choice, but by he was by how he was utilized by the Vikings coaching staff. Yeah, I just I I guess the the, the next question is by the way, Steve Smith never won a Super Bowl. He played in one in two thousand three with the Carolina Panthers, but they lost. And interesting fact: his full name not Stephen, it's Stevon, guys. It's S T E V O N N E. Stevon really? Smith. Yes. So, so he's like, it's like Steve Urkel and yeah. Stefan yes. or Cal. Is that yeah. <laughs> the Pan- Panthers know. version and the Ravens version of of Steve Smith? Um, so. You know, this is where I also go back and forth, which is I don't think it makes sense to spend almost $30 million on two wide receivers. So, like, again, optimal roster-building strategy. Should you be paying that much money to two wide receivers while your offensive line is limited and while you get some aging players on defense? I mean, probably not. But, okay, like, you were paying that much to two guys. Could you have salvaged the relationship with Stefan Diggs? Did it have to be, well, this is... Sorry, like there's just no we can't get you thirty too. extra touches. Yeah, compared to some of the other. That was, yeah. nice, that was a really nice contract. Like, how salvageable should this have well, been? How, how much is it going to bug you guys if we go down the track that we think we're going down right now? When you see the contract terms for Dalvin Cook, who is probably going to break the bank, that's the one where I'm going to come back and be like, wait, wait, wait. So you traded Diggs, and I get that Diggs and Thielen were well compensated, but Diggs had a very pretty much team friendly contract. And now you're giving this to a running back, and I'll say the year again, in 2020. And, and that's going to stop me. I don't know if you guys saw, if you read Chad Graff's article today at The Athletic, but he talked about the potential for an extension, and he says that we we don't know what a new deal necessarily will look like, but people that he's talked to have said that any extension for Dalvin Cook is going to require about $6 million, $6 million new dollars on the books for this season. I've heard a lot of people say that no. you don't you don't have to add any money for Dalvin Cook this year and eat up more salary cap space where you're strapped. But Chad says that any new deal is going to probably include at least six million dollars new money this year. Yeah. And I don't know how you do that. You you have I think seven million dollars left as is. Well, let me just let me make something clear of my stance on Dalvin Cook here. And, and Rami's right about the salary cap and like the the fact that 
you don't have that much money to spend, and, and that's a problem in the short term. But let's say you find a way to do it. I'm less concerned about the position. Like, you should never pay a running back this much money. I'm more concerned about the age curve because I actually think Dalvin Cook is one of those guys, two, three, four running backs at any given time in the NFL that you can make the exception for, provided that they aren't close to the age cliff and provided that you're confident they'll stay healthy. And the problem is by the time running backs get to the point where you have to pay them that much money, your confidence in those two things starts to wane. So there's really like there's really no even if the running back is in that group, right. and I think he's I think Dalvin Cook is in that group that is separated from well like you can just find anyone in the third round like for most starting running backs yes did but you, you, think, don't, you don't just find Dalvin Cook anywhere did you think Melvin Gordon was in that group three years ago I did not personally okay because I did I thought Todd Gurley was in that group so, so did, did so did the Rams well, for sure Todd Gurley's a great one what, why? The, the Cardinals thought David Johnson was in that group so they paid him correct like a, a, a running back can look like they're in that group and very quickly fall out of that group and Dalvin mm-hmm. Cook already is 0 for 3 in playing full seasons it's not like this guy has a history of being healthy and putting up 16 game uh resumes he has he has a track record of not being able to play a full season those guys were dynamic and, for the most part, healthy when they were in the most productive point in their careers, and that's the right. first four years for a running back. Okay, so if we're going, if we're going to go down that path too, so they've already they've already done the deal with Diggs. He's gone. Diggs is gone, and you've got twelve draft picks, two in the first round. Like you've got assets here. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're we're down this Dalvin Cook path. We all think Alex Madison is a really good running back. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's as good as Dalvin Cook, but. Like Alex Madison is one of those guys where you just you just find a guy like Alex Madison and you draft him outside the first round and he can be your starter. Like he's not going to be the best running back in the NFL, but could he be one of the fifteen best? Is he one of the two or three best running backs in the division right now? If given workload, maybe. Right. So would it make more sense? I Means you're in the trading spirit here if you're the Vikings. Would you guys rather just trade Dalvin Cook away and or you know however it works to. However it plays out, if you decide to not sign him to a long-term contract and say, we're actually going to go with Alex Madison. We know he's not as good, but he's going to cost a lot less over the next three years. I don't know what you would get. Like, would you get a third-round pick? If you traded Dalvin Cook right now, nobody's giving you a first-round pick, right? Yeah. Injury history. So let's say you traded him right now and somebody gave you a third-round pick for him. But over the next two or three years, you don't have to spend 14 or $15 million on a running back. Now you're not spending you know $15 million on digs. Do you know what I want? I want to understand what the hell they're doing. That's what I want. I want to understand, because it's more than Diggs, it's more than Dalvin Cook, it's more than Cousins. It's all of these things combined with moves that I really like. Jettisoning guys from the defense now, like Rhodes, and allowing Waynes to sign that stupid contract with the Bengals, which I think is way too much, and the Griffin move, which I agree with. I like those moves. And Rami, I look at those moves and I say, that's the right track. And you know what? In 2020, it might hurt you. But you're doing the right thing because the window that you perceive to be open when you sign Cousins is now gone. But what are you doing in extending Kirk to get $10 million more million? The only we, thing I can come up with, Judd. You know, the, the only thing I can come up with is this. They, they, they've made some moves that help them now. They've made some moves that help them down the road. And a few weeks ago, Mike Zimmer was saying that this is a young man's game. And we talked about this earlier on Score North Live. That's not something a coach who feels his job is in jeopardy says. A coach whose job, whose job is in jeopardy, he comes out and says, look, we need guys who can help us win now. I'm not about stockpiling draft picks and prospects and teaching these guys how to play football. I need guys who can help me win football games now. Mike Zimmer is saying, hey, man, 
This this league tends to curve young. You know what I mean? That sounds like a guy who knows he's going to be here for another two or three years. So he's doing some things that can help them win football games now and some things that can help him win football games when he's two or three years down the road. And I know people are telling you, Judd, that there there isn't necessarily an extension in place or, or close to being locked in. Maybe he's just that confident in himself as a coach and in this football team that they'll be good enough in 2020 that he'll still be around in 2020 to reap some of the benefits of these moves they're making. And to, to help answer part of Judd's question, what the hell are they doing? I think they still would like to make another move or two, whether it's a Trent Williams. Like There's still things that they can do. So it's a little, it feels a little bit incomplete. But the main thing that they're doing is, as Mike Zimmer said, they're trying to get younger. And there is some value in just not paying guys who are on the age right. cliff and getting rid of but them. But then Dalvin Cook doesn't make sense. Well, they haven't done anything yet, though. Right, but if they do it, then it makes less sense. But they, this is where they might they might look at Everson Griffin, 32, correctly, by the way, and say age cliff. Uh, they might look at, um, and by they, by the, they could mean two different things, too, because the Vikings, as reported by Matthew Collar and others, the Vikings front office is very analytically savvy and forward-thinking. Correct. Mike Zimmer is not. So could Mike Zimmer be Correct. looking at Dalvin Cook as, listen, he's only 25 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the age cliff is still three years away, and the front office could be saying something completely different based on their data. But in general, lowering the average age of your roster is not a bad thing for the Vikings. I right agree now. with that. So that's like I can like on the defensive side, Linville Joseph. Like, those that. moves make sense. I like those moves, but the problem is, I, I think the worst thing that could be happening, which I think is probably what's transpiring now, is different people serving different agendas for what they feel is best for this team, and people are pulling apart instead of gelling together, and my gut tells me that that's where this is going, and that's the problem, because that's how you end up with a fractured front office with people doing different things, and ultimately end up in this nebulous, never world of football where you're trying to serve different things. Yeah, So, we'll see. I I guess I didn't think there'd still be this many unanswered questions going into essentially week three of the NFL new league year, but Next month, when when we come back and do this show on Monday, there's probably still going to be a bunch of things on the table and a bunch of moves that football can be made for the Vikings. Uh, for more on the uh, the divorce between the Vikings and Stefan Diggs, go check out scorenorth.com and read Matthew Collar's article. It was posted yesterday. Also, we're the only place in town that has a 52 week year round daily Viking show. It's called Purple Daily, two to four o'clock with Matthew Collar. And uh, rotating co-hosts like Courtney Cronin, Sage Rosenfels, Myron Medcalf, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app as well. Gentlemen, when we come back, it's the debut of Mackie and Jeb with Rami's action movie rewind. Bloodsport is first out of the gate. I'll quit applauding now. We, we, will, we will dive in when we come back here to Score North and the Score North app. Uh, I'm glad you're still open. Open, open. Helping support our local businesses through the coronavirus crisis. We are open for business. This is open for business. Still open, yeah? Yeah. On Score North. And all week long, in fact, the last couple of weeks, uh, we have been during these unprecedented times in our country, in the state of Minnesota, we are looking to highlight businesses that are still open, still operational, and still looking to serve people. And uh, right now we're going to welcome into the show here Todd DuPont, owner of 30 Bales Restaurant, a wonderful restaurant, downtown Hopkins. And Todd, before we dive into how you guys are operating here with takeout and different things that you have available, 
I want to welcome Judd Zolgad into Open for Business for the first time because you. you have two of the biggest fans of all time <laughs> of the of the Big Ten sub sandwich that I believe is still available at 30 Bales, correct? That is true, guys, and thank you so much for having me on today. Um, we, My partner and I, Tom, uh, it was his idea to bring the Big Ten subs back to our remodeled restaurant here on Hopkins called 30 Bales. And I, I knew that when... Uh, I was kind of contacted by your superiors there to come on that um, you, you guys were old Big Teners from down on campus. I remember both of you, and I, I couldn't be happier that it's actually Were we that out. belligerent when we just <laughs> <laughs> stumble in? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> there was well, always a police escort. Meetings, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I, it's just one of those things when you're, you were there for so long, you meet so many neat people. And it, it's, it, you know, you guys are well known around the Twin Cities, and you know we are happy to count you as Big Teners. That's for awesome, sure. Awesome. And and uh, yeah, we brought them back, and they've been uh, they stormed back with a vengeance here at Thirty Bales, and we're really happy to be offering or featuring Big Ten subs here as long as the coronavirus kind of has us down to limitations. I have to ask, what's in the Big Ten sub? You can't bring up the sub and not tell me what's in it, gentlemen. I haven't been so lucky as to sample. <laughs> well, the the thing that makes the Big Ten sub a little bit different is they're a hot sub and mm. they're toasted with garlic butter oh. uh, and we're very specific on what type of uh, cheese we use it comes from uh, burnett county creamery in uh, burnett county wisconsin mm-hmm. the same cheese that we've been using since the day i was 18 when we started when i started there uh, we've got our own secret uh, italian oil that we use we use hellman's mayonnaise oh, it's, a, oh, it's, a, it's a really high oh yeah so it's good. Really high quality <laughs> High-quality sandwich, that's for sure. Todd, talk to us. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about the fries that we get, the fries that surround the sub, man. Oh, it's so awesome. <laughs> it, uh, I have seen more people that I recognize from the past in the last 10 days uh, coming in to get subs and saying hi and, and supporting us here at 30 Bills. And so many folks from Score North, uh, old AM 1500 GLers coming in and saying hi. I, I can't tell you how important and uplifting that is to Tom and I as we try to kind of work our way through this coronavirus. Awesome, man. It's, well, uh, it, it, it's, 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 been, it's been real uplifting. Well, obviously, uh, nobody in the state of Minnesota right now can go into a restaurant and sit down and have the same experience or at a bar right now. So uh, so how, how have you guys shifted? What, what, what is still available for people, and how can people still... Uh, how can people still consume, whether it's the, the Big Ten sub sandwich or anything on the 30 Bales menu? So what we do is uh, every day on 30bales.com, T-H-I-R-T-Y, uh, bales.com, we have a, our menu is updated. And it cha- does change slightly every day. Uh, we, it, we've kind of set at a base menu now, which does feature our Big Ten subs. It uh, features four of them, turkey, ham, roast beef, tuna, and cheese. Uh, no, you can't get assorted. No, you can't get corned beef or pastrami. Uh, but it does feature those base subs it does feature a lot of the homemade scratch items made here at 30 bales and we are doing call heads we are doing curbside uh, when staff allows there are some times where it's just absolutely too busy we can't we're working on a bare bone staff here we can't actually get up to the curb every once in a while and we are very much looking into the delivery right now uh, but i don't have anything to announce uh that is solid yet, but we're hoping to have that all set up by early next week. Awesome, uh, and that's available Tuesday through Sunday from 11 a.m. and until 7 p.m., which means you can call 
at 6.58, we will make your food. We stop cooking at 7. We don't Got lock it. the doors at 7. Okay. So you can you can push that order close to 7, but uh, but maybe make it yeah. 6.45 just in case if you're... If you're Always so, preferred. <laughs> so 30bales.com. That's 30 spelled out B-A-L-E-S dot com. And any other information or any other words for... There's, Minnesota is such a great, you know, I guess for lack of a better phrase, drinking and food state and city. And uh, there's all kinds of people that are going through this grind here the last couple of weeks. And we, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But any other final words to the uh, to the foodie and, and drink community out there? I think to, to all the community, uh, thank you for your support uh, so far. We, we hope that you continue the support for the small businesses, independently owned businesses. Bars and restaurants have hit harder probably than anybody. Um, it gets a little worse for everybody starting this tonight. Uh, but feel free to call us at 952-930-0369, and we'll make sure we get some good food for you. Awesome, man. Todd, thanks for joining. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. You guys have a great afternoon. All right. That's another episode of Open for Business here on Score North. You can subscribe to the Open for Business podcast, Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts. Just, just search Open for Business Minnesota. Gentlemen, when we come back here, it's the debut of Mackie and Jeb with Rami's action movie Rewind after we talk about these glorious TCL TVs here in the studio. Starting tonight, you're going to be spending even more time at home with Stay at Home Minnesota going into effect at 11.59 p.m. And so if you are wondering about what you're going to do, how you're going to fill the time on the weekend, you're not going to be bouncing around as much. Maybe you should uh, maybe you should look into ordering a TCL TV online, TCLUSA.com, to find out more because TCL gives you the best combination of price, picture quality, and entertainment options. I am a recent cord cutter myself, and it's been great having a TCL TV that I can just rely on as a YouTube TV user, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, WWE Network, you name it. I am probably streaming it right now uh, at night and during my free time. So if you are looking for entertainment options, there's no better TV than a TCL TV, America's fastest-growing TV brand, and the official studio sponsor here on Mackie and Jub with Rami and all of Score North. All right, Mackie and Jub with Rami's action movie rewind next, Bloodsport. Jonathan here with the Score North download. The American Red Cross is facing a severe blood shortage due to the COVID-19 outbreak. Healthy blood and platelet donors are asked to give now. Donating blood is safe and can help save lives. Please schedule an appointment by calling 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit scorenorth.com keyword red to learn more and sign up to give blood. Boys, I have a question for you. Does the date October 5th, 2009 mean anything to you? Mm, no. Game 163. Or, or is that the Packers-Vikings game the day before? That is the Packers-Vikings okay. game. I bring that up because Monday. ESPN and the NFL announced today that they are going to be airing Monday Night Football Classics mm. for the next couple Mondays. Really? And coming April 13th, Green Bay Packers versus the Minnesota Vikings at the Metrodome, which featured this glorious touchdown. He finds Dugan down the field. And now takes a quick shot for Berrien. Brett Favre playing for the Vikings against the Packers for the very first time. Again, that'll be April 13th over on ESPN. Please tell me, Jonathan, that we're going to dub in Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarlane play-by-play over the top of that. <laughs> it's actually going to be Joe Tessitore and Jason Witten. Oh. <laughs> They'll be doing play-by-play. No. It's going to be the original Mike Tirico, Ron Jaworski, and... I think Jaws. it was Jaws, man. Jaws. Dude, they freaking just swept Jaws right out of well. the company, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, where is Jaws? 
What's he, NFL he, he films, was just right? gone in a flash. He's just doing stuff now, and I think he's doing a daily talk show in Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, yeah. But yeah, he was uh, he, he went in the cost cutting moves. You think you like football? Ron Jaworski doesn't just really like football. He loves football. There's a lesson to be learned here. Don't be late for practice. <laughs> don't oversleep. You better be there. You don't see the football field. Football! Football, yeah! yeah! Football! Football! Yeah! Get some! Love some Jaws. Jaws in our life. All right, let's do this. Let's fire this up. Welcome to the party, pal! Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother... It is time, gentlemen, for the first ever edition of Mackie and Jeb with Rami Action Movie Rewind. You are next. Today's movie, Bloodsport. You break my record. Now I break you. Like I break your friend. And I can't believe apparently the three of you had never seen Bloodsport. No, until I had this seen movie. it, I I seen but it. I saw what? it. I saw it when it first came out. I was very young. Well, you saw it in theaters. Probably. I don't know. What year did this come out? 1988. On a $1.5 million budget. Not, I was, not shockingly. I was nine years old. <laughs> much, so, huh? I How probably, much was it? $1.5 I probably Shh. didn't see it in theaters, no. But I remember seeing it when I was very young. Probably, probably two years. I saw and heard a lot of rap music that I shouldn't have heard at the age I was because I had an older brother and Fair no enough. parental supervision. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So here's how this is going to work every single week. We're going to pick... Ideally, some kind of a an 80s or 90s, somewhat corny. Uh, we can sort of be the judge, and we can we can it can be a democracy. But someone's going to throw out a new action movie that we have to watch and review. And listeners, we'd love for you to watch these from week to week too, so we can uh, make this community thing on Fridays on the show. But we're going to go through a quick summary of each movie, our favorite and least favorite parts of the movies, and then important questions and observations we have before getting to so many an questions. eventual rating. Uh, at the end of our discussion. So, 1989, or 88, late 80s, Jean-Claude Van Damme, $1.5 million budget. And the summary on IMDb, explaining what the hell Bloodsport is, says this. <laughs> U.S. soldier Frank Dukes has come to Hong Kong to be accepted into the Kumite, a highly secret and extremely violent martial arts competition. While trying to gain access into the underground world, of clandestine fighters. He also has to avoid military officers who consider him to be absent without leave. After enduring a difficult training and beginning a romance with journalist Janice Kent, Frank is given the opportunity to fight. But can he survive? He'll have to go through undefeated Chong Lee, who's known for murdering opponents in the ring. In the end, Frank Dukes oh, overcomes the, the just murdering people in the ring. In the end, Frank Dukes overcomes blatant cheating, assault pill to the eye, to beat Chong Lee in the final, basically blind. It's a good thing his trainer blindfolded him when he was a young what fighter. What a kawinky dink, huh? Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Where do you even want to start? What was your favorite part about Bloodsport? Oh, I'll start because it's one of a thousand questions I've got. But you are next. It's without a doubt my f- favorite part, and I know that Rami can chime in here as well to help out. Yeah, man. It's the chase scene yes. when the guys from the government what the hell are was after that? him, 
And Jean-Claude Van Damme is turning around like every little while and like looking and giggling. And like doing dances yes, and spinning yes. around poles. It turned into a Fred Astaire movie all <laughs> yes. for, like, for like three minutes. With his with his deep cut tank top too that shows like everything but his nipples. Yeah, basically. by the way, the whole, the whole movie, he was wearing a variation of the same outfit, which yeah. was... Baggy khakis. Hi- high waist baggy khakis. <laughs> popular back then, Rami. A, I wore them. A deep neck sleeveless undershirt. Didn't wear that. And... A leather jacket with puffy shoulder pads. That was that was that was the John Claude Van Damme uniform Arthur throughout the, the movie. It was amazing. But can anyone explain the chase scene? No, no. it's my favorite part. No, of it's me. the funniest part is one of the police officers or the investigators is Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a whole nother story. I, I, he's How lucky this Whitaker? didn't end his career. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Rami's right. Like Forrest Whitaker is a great actor. What were you doing? Was this his first movie? Um, mm. He was in because he looks wicked young in this movie. He was in Vision Quest <laughs> and a couple other movies Bostonian? too. Bostonian, wicked young. <laughs> yeah, he, you guys see he those, looks really young in that. movie. Did you guys see those tasers they were wielding? <laughs> yes, <laughs> they look like 1980 cell phones. It's amazing. All right, looks like they are out of total recall. Rami, Rami, don't make me Dude, taser you. The laptops are smaller than those tasers <laughs> that they were walking around with inside their jacket. And he picked up the garbage can lid and deflected <laughs> and the taser, and it hit the other guards. <laughs> Who then are like, oh, I'm done. And then the guards went to the fight. And we're like, this is great. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, my pro, God. Pro I blocked that out. Captain America on it. Just ding. All right, Rami, what was your favorite part about Bloodsport? I think I think Judd just nailed it. But, there were, I mean, there are plenty of scenes to pick from. So I'll, I'll go next. I'll save the best for you, Mackie, because I know where you're going to go for your favorite part. I don't know if you do. I think I do. I hope I hope you're going where I think you are because it it, it deserves addressing and I I'm I'm going to I'm going to stick to my pick the subsequent love scene <laughs> after the chase scene that we just yes. discussed you are next where one of the bad guys in the movie goes up to the female reporter who you just referenced in in the uh in the summary that you gave us there Mackie and goes hey baby you want to be with a real big man like that <laughs> That was yeah. that was his pickup line, and then he wouldn't leave her alone. And then John Claude Van Damme walks in and presents a physical challenge for this guy, where they gamble for the woman. They get they gamble for the woman. They have a bet on the line, and this woman is the prize. Like that's okay. And John Claude Van Damme wins and gets to and takes her back to his hotel room. Cut to the scene where she is mystified by what just happened, and obviously naked in the bed and gratuitous shot of a of a of the rear end of Jean-Claude Van Damme. The very well sculpted rear end of Jean-Claude Van Damme, but still nothing that I wanted to see. Jean-Claude Van Damme in the sharp red tight underwear, by the way, is way more than we needed to see. So much more. Who thought we needed that? In fact, in fact, in in the picture that we've got streaming right now, you can see the female reporter by the two agents who have just yes. decided that yeah. they're now going to go watch this ruthless sport instead of try to get him the, to stop. The other thing that was so weird to me about this movie is the the relationships that were developed and the bonds that were so strong when he knew these people for three days. Yes, like the guy, 
I, don't, I love you, man. I love you, too. The big guy who was Ogre in Revenge of the Nerds? <laughs> yep. I forgot he was in this. All, all of a sudden, they're best friends. This woman is in love with him and is, like, scared for him to fight because she doesn't want to lose him in the ring. <laughs> but she's a reporter who's and, supposed to be yeah, objective. Exactly. She can't be objective, Judge. She's so enthralled with Jean-Claude Van Damme and his wit and charm. She, she's all professionality went right out the window. And the weirdest relationship in this thing is the little guy who just ducks in with information like to fill us in on the plot and what's going on in the Kumite who all of a sudden is his second best friend in the world. Like the guy just jumps into an empty seat. He's like, he's the champion. He's undefeated. Nobody's ever beat him. He kills people in the ring. And like by the next scene, Jean-Claude Van Damme loves this guy and they're best friends. He's like promoter. And the hilarious part is like, He's filling Jean-Claude Van Damme and uh, an ogre guy in on things that they should have scouted well in advance (laughs) if they're going to go fight. We're going to go fight in the the deadliest martial arts tournament in the world, and they're just finding out who the tough opponents are. The other thing that I completely don't get is, ordinarily, when they show these fights, the fighters take it very seriously. But there was every once in a while where... They like start celebrating prematurely and turn their back on the most dangerous man in the world. In the world, the yeah. ogre guy. The ogre guy like delivers this glancing blow, and the guy who kills people falls down, and you can tell he's going to be fine. And he's like, "Yeah, I won, I won." My only disappointment was they didn't kill him. Which one, Chong Chong? No, no, no. Ogre guy, ogre guy should have died. Because eventually, like, he just gets hurt and goes to the hospital. Why didn't they kill him? Rocky, they killed him. Uh, well, you got to kill the guy. Yeah, I think it probably it, it probably takes the movie to a new level, right? So, actually, Rami, you have hit on my least favorite part of the movie, which is the journalist relationship. All right? So, I'm just, I'm, I'll get to my favorite part in a second. But, like... The fact that, that you've well, hit you all the least points. favorite part, this was just a big stew of bad, dude. Like, I don't have, really <laughs> I don't have the least favorite part, but I mean, go ahead. Okay, so first of all, she, she is sent over to Hong Kong. Like, this is a huge, this is like something the New York Times would look to send an undercover reporter out, like one of your top reporters, right? This is, you know, pick your most credible uh, written journalistic platforms. All right, GQ, whatever it is, we're going to send a highly compensated, credible reporter in right. to do a deep dive story on the inner workings of the most feared underground illegal fighting ring in all of the world. And within two days, she's like sleeping with the top competitor yes. and, and, is, and is emotionally attached to his well-being as opposed to writing an actual story. The best part was she's sitting in the front row at one point. And I think Chong Lee just kills like his second opponent, and she busts out this brick of a recorder yes. and starts like documenting <laughs> yes. her thoughts into it. Yes. <laughs> but my favorite part of the movie, <laughs> my favorite part of the movie, you are next. All right. So at the beginning of the movie, Frank. So Frank Duke's older brother is this star kickboxer and this champion, and he goes to fight in Hong Kong, and he's going to fight Chong Lee, and it's like he's going to dominate him, and. And it's the realization that Frank Dukes has as he's walking through the back, like, uh, warm-up area. Yep. And he hears this this loud noise, like, thud, thud, thud. And he looks into Chong Lee's training room. And Chong Lee is in there all alone, warming up for the fight, kicking with his bare leg a concrete pillar mm-hmm. that goes from the floor all the way up to the ceiling. And there's, like, chunks of ceiling coming down. And, and, you know, the assertion is like this dude's legs are concrete and he's going to do some damage. Later on, Frank Dukes in his training chops down a tree with his bare leg. Do you guys remember that part? No. 
I blocked that out, too. Dude, he chops down <laughs> during his training portion leading up to the fight. He chops down a tree with his bare leg. I thought I watched this whole thing. I don't remember that. I don't remember Maybe that there was all. like an extended version of the you, movie. Dude, do I you think you saw... extended cut? I think you did. I saw an extended yes. cut of Bloodsport. I got mine on <laughs> Stars. It was like yeah, 135. Mackie, yep. where did you watch it? I watched it on Apple TV. Apple TV. I watched I it on Stars. I don't, I don't remember I, a tree I watched it on Stars, and I did not. I don't remember. I watched the whole thing. I swear to God. During his training portion, okay? When he's training with uh, Tanaka, the trainer I just Googled Bloodsport tree scene, and I'm about to watch it. Okay. Oh, yeah. So he's kicking this tree, and his leg is like black and blue, and he stops because his, his his leg is about to break. And his, yeah, trainer, no. and, if, and his trainer goes, if you stop, then I stop training you. Oh, yeah, the trainer is tough guy. He wasn't messing around. By the and, way, as you said that, he was saying that on my screen. It was like <laughs> you were doing a voiceover. That was amazing. That was amazing timing. Go ahead. Uh, and and so he delivers like ten more swift kicks, and then the tree crumbles over, and then I, he crumbles over. I don't remember that was his version. last training part. Yeah, I don't remember this at all. By but way, we both the, watched it on I Apple TV. It had to be the same scene. version. Athlete challenge, by the way, if anybody wants to no. take it. Oh, there's another athlete media. challenge good, in this man. movie. It's I'm when good. he's like strapped into that contraption in the montage scene. Oh, ow. that's good too. That's an absolute athlete challenge. I thought that's where you were going, Mackie. To be honest, if I if we could circle this thing back around the horn to me. Was like the opening 10 or 15 minutes of this movie. Just a dumpster fire, man. Like, what was going on in the first 10 or 15 minutes of that movie? Like, you started to touch on it there, but the montage scene that follows after his, 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 it's not his real brother, right? It's like he became brothers with this kid after he, yeah, they were like childhood friends. Yeah, after he broke into Sensei's house and then got caught breaking into Sensei's house. And by the way, did anybody else catch? I sent this to Jonathan, and I sent this to Judd. I don't think I sent it to Mackie. Did you catch what that kid was wearing when they broke yes. into Sensei's house, Mackie? Yeah, a San Francisco Giants hat and a New York Giants shirt. <laughs> Nobody on the set was like, hey, guys, um, different Giants. Those are different Giants. <laughs> Those are different like, sports. <laughs> nobody? You know, nobody? You know what they were saying, Robbie? In 1987, it's time for a montage. <laughs> Then, man, montages were it when <laughs> oh, it came man. to action films. The first 15 minutes of this movie, as Rami described, the first five minutes are a montage of all the fighters training for the tournament and like all the different styles, right? Uh, and then, like, the next five or ten minutes is this uncomfortably long flashback of weird, awkward Frank Dukes as a kid getting indoctrined into like this ninja group of, of fighters and trainers. Uh, so the musical part, though, where where they actually drop in a song about what the film is about, was a glorious '80s moment. Which uh, this one? Fight to survive one. I think it's actually that now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is pretty good. If stuff. you ask me what this song was written for, I would say '80s movie training montage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That probably involved Mr. T or Steven Seagal, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Somebody was super tight jeans. Here we go. Yep. Wait for the hook. No, we're not going to wait for it. You can, you, can, yeah. you can Google it on your own. Anyway. They have the entire soundtrack on right. YouTube. Jonathan, what was your favorite part of Bloodsport? Okay, so remember when he goes to the tournament itself and they're like, you can't fight here, and like he has to break the brick on the bottom? Yep. So he comes <laughs> back from I think it's the, yeah, the, the night with the reporter. It's and, five bricks. Yeah, yeah, so he comes back and the, the ogre guy is like, I'm going to do this. What, bottom brick? And so he tries to smash the brick, but he smashes the top brick instead of the bottom brick, 
picks it up and goes, see, not a scratch on this bottom brick, and the guys aren't impressed. And so he grabs it and, like, smashes it in his hands or, like, on his head on his and head. just hands it to the guys and just walks off. But but the fact that, like, the initial the initial trick yeah. was to, like, in order to get into the Kumite tournament. <laughs> so, so Jean-Claude Van Damme shows up. He flees the military. Mm-hmm. He goes to Hong Kong. Okay, yeah, he leaves the shower. Has no idea who any of the <laughs> he opponents left the shower. are. Yeah. Fully clothed. Oh, he's gone. Yeah. And, Never he, saw and that he shows up. He shows up, and the and there's like a registration table, like there would be if you went to a you know like a rec basketball league tournament. How did the reporter find it? Like no, she no, just no. finds it arbitrarily. It's she's just underground because she's a good reporter. Judd. That's why. All right, memo to self. <laughs> she did the legwork. <laughs> downstairs in the church. But but Frank Duke shows up to this registration table, and they basically tell him, "You don't look credible. Uh, you're not Japanese or whatever, and so you must perform whatever they call it." Yeah. And it's a table of bricks, and there there's you know there's like just have this ready, ten apparently. bricks aside, and they're f- stacked five, and he has to break the bottom brick and only the bottom brick. <laughs> Well, not breaking any of the four bricks on top of the bottom brick. And he yeah. does it, by the way, which is amazing. I don't even know if that's possible. But um, what are some other key so questions and observations? Okay, okay. R- Rami saw the same thing. Have you ever seen an action film where in the course of the action for the film, they miss that badly when they're supposed to be hitting and or kicking a person? <laughs> yeah. I mean, mean, like at one point when someone clearly has a blood packet in their mouth and yeah. gets kicked from four feet away and just shoes <laughs> it and- I'm saying there's inches between where the contact's supposed to yeah, be you can and the person. See. You can see yeah. the space between the foot yeah. and the face. You can see it clear as day on camera. Or there's the time where they get kicked in the face and they're supposed to dive one way, but they instead dive the other way. Yeah. They go full soccer dive on it. I was just so confused. <laughs> Physics of that don't work. Uh, did you guys know? In, That's right. Late in 1988, the LA Times wrote... A major feature. Yes. After this I was movie, just about to bring this up. This, this movie, was hilarious. This movie blew up in the theaters. It was like $1.5 million budget, and it just blew up as, a, as this action movie success in the theaters. And the LA Times exposed Frank Dukes as a fraud. So at the end of the movie, okay, at the end of the movie, as Frank Dukes is getting on what looks to be a chartered private jet... <laughs> I don't know how that the happened. Jumbo jet. All right. Because he United. won the Kumite, dude. Apparently. <laughs> what do you mean? You don't know like, how that happened. Guys, where have you been? Kumite they're like, champ. Not, they're like, Dukes isn't coming. And, and he comes off the top step. Where have you been? So at the end of the movie, though, they show his credentials yeah. on screen, right? From 1975 to 1980, yes. Frank Dukes fought. In a five-year stretch, in a five-year stretch, fought 329 matches, <laughs> retiring undefeated as the world heavyweight full-contact Kumite champion. And he set four world records, according to the end of this movie. Fastest knockout, 3.2 seconds. You'd knock somebody That's out the line. seconds. You break my record, I break you. You are next. Fastest punch with a knockout, 0.12 seconds. I have no idea how they calculate that. Uh, fastest kick with a knockout, 72 miles an hour, and the best, most impressive record. How do you measure the speed of a kick? He kicked 72 (laughs) miles an hour? I'm sure you could do it now, but in the 70s, I don't know if that's possible. Didn't you see the the capabilities of of the uh, statistics that they had at the Kumite? Because they put up up, up on the scoreboard. They went up immediately. (laughs) World record. Yeah, they went up immediately. Those guys were on top of it. But the most impressive record, according to the end of this movie, was that Frank Dukes set a world record for the most consecutive knockouts in a single tournament, 
with 56. <laughs> what? <laughs> and that's where, like, I'm sure, you know what, I'm sure, I'm sure somebody from the LA Times was watching this movie and like, oh, this is corny and ridiculous, but whatever, like, it's fine. And then, and then they probably saw those four world records and were like, right. we got to dive into this, this right? Yeah. right? This is from the story. Frank Duke's story evaporates upon inspection, according to military records. The Marine Corps said that he served from 1975 to 1981 and that there is no indication he ever left the United States. His military (laughs) medical file said in 1978 that he was referred for psychiatric evaluation for expressing, quote, flighty and disconnected ideas. Though a member of the reserves, which meant that he was on active duty only for a short time, he reportedly insisted he was working for an intelligence agency. Duke said the military ordered his record to be sabotaged to discredit him. The government did not know how much he knew about other covert operations, he said, so they placed information in his file to destroy his credibility. (laughs) Who watched that film and thought, I'm watching a real-life movie? (laughs) Darn it, I knew it! Who was dumb enough to believe it? Like, apparently this was a story that went around the martial arts world, if you read this article in the LA Times, that people believed. Like, he was a a walking, living legend in the martial arts community. People believe this stuff. My favorite part in that article, Becky, is that this dude clearly bought his own trophy and <laughs> then said that he was the world Kumite champion. <laughs> Screenwriter Sheldon Linnage said, even if we weren't able to verify the facts, we were taking Frank on his word. Linnage saw a trophy Ducks once displayed at his, at his school, which the article in Los, Los Angeles Valley College Magazine said he brought back from the Bahamas. When officials of a trophy Trophy shop in North Hollywood, the W.R. Moody Company were shown photos of the trophy. They said the base and ceramic plaques were made by their company. Duck said it was given to him by a former tournament official in 1980. However, the IFAA, which he says is the organization that puts on these fight trails, seems to lead only to Duck's door. The invoice for another IFAA trophy lists him as the only contact for the organization. You break my record. Now I break you like I break your friend. That would be like saying, though, man, I thought all those Seagal films were based on real-life cops. <laughs> or I thought Charles Bronson, that character, existed. Like, I got done with that, and I didn't need to be told this was based on but, a true story. It was amazing. so implausible anyway. But some screenwriter only wrote this movie thinking that it was based on a true story. <laughs> Just the amazing but if you're going to base this on a true story, how how is his best friend in fighting the ogre guy, how do you have him... My best like, friend for three days, by the and, way. But everybody else is in just great shape, right? They're just all chiseled, or they're big, and, and you get this fat guy that looks like he drinks Budweiser who just shows up for the corporate Actually, if you if you watch the first like three Ultimate Fighting Championship pay-per-views, there were a bunch see, of guys who looked pretty like much that. like that. <laughs> it was like random dudes who like fight like they're cats. I, but know? I just love how it's this Enough. mix of guys in great shape, and then ogre. Another great part in that LA Times article is that the very end they're like they're interviewing one of his friends to verify the facts that frank ducks tells in these stories frank dukes tells in these stories and they say told that he could that he could not be found in the school yearbook during any of his high school years he said all right i don't know what to say why is this movie so important to you anyway (laughs) frank was a buddy of mine when i was in la (laughs) 
the guy oh finally gosh. just gave up. And he's like, look, man, I don't know, all right? Frank asked me to say these things, okay? I don't know. Why do you care? You are next. Oh, my God. All right, so to put a wrap on this first ever episode of Mackie and Jeb with Romney's put a wrap on it? action movie rewind. Keep going. I watched this movie, man. I want to talk about it some more. Spend 90 minutes of my quarantine on this. Maybe we'll do, maybe we'll do a, a special live stream later just talking about this movie. But we need to come up with a rating system of some kind, like a one through five star rating. Is it five Stallones? Is it five Schwarzeneggers? Like, what is our rating system here, gentlemen, going forward for all the different episodes? Rami? That's tough, man. Should it be out of 10 Seagulls? Ooh, I like ah, that. That's pretty good. I that's like not that. bad. A ten, that's that's our, solid. Our, 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 ten, our one through 10 Seagull rating system. And by yeah. the way, Seagull in you know 1987 what? Hold, hold on. would have been my choice. Before we make this decision, because I'm convinced after watching this <laughs> that Jean-Claude Van Damme is the worst actor in the history of <laughs> acting. All right? I have to, that scene where he gets the salt thrown in his eyes and he's acting like he's all oh, confused and discombobulated. He's going, like it's, He's the worst actor in the history of... I think we might... We maybe should name it after him. Let's watch a Seagal movie because it's definitely between Seagal and Van Damme, right? Okay. It's let's watch a Seagal movie and decide who is worse and who deserves to have All the right. rating system named after. Thirty them. seconds left because we have to hit a break here. Okay, one one through ten. We'll, you started this. We'll name it later. One through ten, All Judd. Right. What's your rating for this movie? One through ten. Um, three. Rami, three is generous, man. I was going two. Jonathan. I'm going to. It's a six for me. Wow. It's, wow. I watch it all the time. Wow. We're, we're about, hey. Gentlemen, we're about to watch a lot hey. of bad films. Wow. All right. Just because we have to get out of here. Judd, what's the Seagal movie we're watching next? Hard to next kill. Next week. All right. Hard to right. kill. Next week's episode. That was for my wife. <laughs> all right. Up next, Mackie and Judd with Rami learns a new sport as part of Friday Fun Day. If you're set to spend more time at home than in your car over the next several days, you can still listen to Score North three different ways. The free Score North app on your phone or tablet scorenorth.com or just by saying Alexa open score north oh you had to go to therapy here's this big problem with sex TCL is a proud sponsor of the score north studios TCL America's fastest growing TV brand it's Mackie and Judd with Rami with Rami oh god brilliant from Broad 8 for 15 best bowling figures on this ground Quite a remarkable morning, really is. Stuart Broad had to deliver, no Jimmy Anderson, and boy did he deliver. Absolutely outstanding, Stuart Broad, 8 for 15. He wouldn't imagine when he woke up today and Alistair put one across the ball, he thought, no Jimmy Anderson, I've got to lead the way with a new ball, and hasn't he done that with 8 for 15, Australia all out for 60, but Stuart Broad, take a foul, absolutely awesome. We have no idea what that highlight was, and that's why we're going to get to our friend here, Quino from the Crafty Rogues, real quick. So people are saying that I confused the tree-kicking scene with a scene from, from Kickboxer, the movie that came out the next year. It is very possible. I watched both of those movies last week, and they're both basically the same movie. It's so controversial. Wait, right? the, the tree-kicking scene, was that? So they're saying that, that, that may have been from Kickboxer, which is, is literally the same labeled. It's the Kickboxer. same movie as Bloodsport. <laughs> How dare you! Sir? Except at the end of How the movie, you? at the end of the movie, they dip uh, Jean Claude Van Damme and the opponent. They dip their. They have these uh, oh, like he, rope gloves. They dip the gloves in too? broken glass. 
Yes. Oh, how confusing. You yeah. watch two. Oh, <laughs> the best of Jean-Claude. Blend them all together. Uh, but all right, let's get to our friend here. Uh-oh. I think he's gone. Oh, no. What happened to Quino? He's, he's Must mad. have got upset with the highlight. No, oh. he knows. He knows. He, the, he hung up on us already. He knows, the, he knows the jig is up. Because <laughs> as, as I said in the first hour of the show, cricket's not a real sport. He heard me say that in the, in the first hour. It's just they send highlights of that over here to confuse us and make us think it's a real sport. And it's not. It's just it's a prank on America is what cricket is. He heard me say that. He knows the jig is up. And he hung up the phone. Well, we're going to let you guys battle it out here in a second. And the premise of this here, Mackie and Jeb with Rami on this Friday fun day, uh, we are without sports in America right now. We're without sports in Minnesota. There's nothing going on right now from a live sports perspective. And so we figure this is a good chance for us while we're not, you know, six nights out of the week watching Twins games and you got NBA and NHL. There's, there's nothing going on. This is a good time for us to expand our repertoire of of sports that we could learn about. And so there's a bunch of sports around the world that we know nothing about, and we figure, let's tap into some people. So we start with cricket and go from go to where? Yeah, I was going to say, what other week? sports do you guys want to cover going? in this? Well, I know that... Soccer? I, I know that... Oh, well, wow. <laughs> wow! Jonathan's so bad right now. Oh, my goodness. Two months. Two months now, Rami. Wow, Rami! <laughs> I would say, it, it, just from what, what Quino can teach us alone... Australian rules football is another one that which just got canceled, like their season or, or called off. Yeah, yeah. Rugby. I mean, you watch those, those guys different? run around. I'm, I'm yeah, generally they are very, very different, different yeah. sports. Okay. Yes, right. yeah. And then literally anything else. There's probably a bunch of Olympic sports too that like. What about high lie? Have you guys seen high lie, which is apparently the fastest growing sport in the world? High lie, high lie. It's big in Florida still, right? It was. It's a big betting sport. Is that spike ball or is it's that huge? No, highlight. They have these weird, like curved, curved rackets that they throw the ball with. I don't, again, I don't know what the point of the sport is. I just know what the 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 instrument that they use is in the sport. And it's like this weird. If I'm thinking of the right sport, it's like this weird curved racket that the ball sits in, and then they like whip it and throw the ball with it. I don't know where it goes or what they're trying to do. Again, I just I, seen these rackets. My mind's in the gutter. I need to grow up. <laughs> A lot of curved and stuff there. I just got to grow up. I don't, I don't even know how to spell highlight. Hey, real quick, look it real up. quick on our production meeting. Are we, uh, are we just haven't, we're going to get him, right? Okay. We're going to get him. Okay. He was on the line. He's I thought he hung up. So, matter by the way, the, the, the feedback from Mackie and Jeb with Rami's action movie reviews yeah, is off this? the charts. Can we, can we keep <laughs> talking about it? I feel like I spent a lot of this week watching that film. I'd really like to use all my knowledge. Oh, about you have it. more? You have more. Oh, I could talk about the film for an hour. I mean, the worse the film, the more enthralled I become. My whole point break thing was halfway through. I told Don, "This is the worst movie I've seen." And by the end, I'm like, "It was so bad, it was great." Listen, there, let's talk about there it. There was a moment about ten minutes ago, before the top of the hour break, where it flashed across my mind: Is this the point in my sports radio career where I'm going to literally say? <laughs> Hey, on the other side of this, we'll talk more about blood sport and take your calls <laughs> at 651-646-8255. I be honest, I'd welcome calls at some point on blood sport. Let's hash it out, 651-646-8255. Here's some more feedback coming in here from Chad. Almost more tweets back than anything we've talked about. It's almost like Jean-Claude Van Damme movies are all like blood sport. Yeah, kick the kick the the tree thing was from Kickboxer. But Rami, you watched the clip on YouTube. Could you tell that that was a different movie? No. No, not at all. Not at all. Absolutely not. 
Is Van Damme still acting or no? Or, yeah, or I shouldn't say Mackie, that. Mackie, still appearing in front of a camera. It looked so much like the same movie that I was convinced that you were right. I was like, yeah, I guess I must have just, just missed this. this. I don't know how. I must have just, I just blacked this out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Actually, we are, hold on a second. We are going to take a call here. Jonathan's screening one of these. Can I just pop? Can I just? I'm just going to pull this up. I'm going to hold up to the camera. Highlight, uh, highlight, highlights. All right, line line one, unscreened. Okay, you're on the that. air. You're yeah. on with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. This is dangerous. Hello. Hi, Hi. there. Uh, you guys need to check out. I think it was called just JVD. It was, I think, around 10, 15 years ago, and it's Van Damme in an action movie, but he's playing himself. Really? It's called JVD, and he's playing himself. JCVD. I think I remember this. I'm going to YouTube right now. That's amazing. I'm going to YouTube right now because that man deserves credit for being a great actor. Yeah, 2008. Really? The movie is just called JCVD. JCVD. Hmm. For the record, uh, the villain in Bloodsport, Chong Lee, if you Google him, I don't remember what his real name is, he's like 70 years old now and Uh has pretty much the same physique. Like, he was still doing, I think he's like a bodybuilder or something, and he looked pretty much the same physically. (laughs) I Googled him. Two years ago, as he did in 1988, as a 70-year-old. That's amazing. Good for that guy. He should come Um, back in a sequel. John Claude Van Damme gets involved in a bank robbery with hostages, guys, and reflects about his life during it. Okay. That's what JCVD is about. Uh, I'm going to watch this for sure. I'm going to tell you the truth right now. I'm watching this. Oh, I can't help Rami because he's so Why? bad. He's good. He's terrible. But that's what makes it's him good. The worst. Here's a review. This is a review from Rotten Tomatoes that Eric sends in. The film is far from perfect. There are some slow segments, and the cinematography could be more exciting. But it's still a new direction for Jean Claude Van Damme. The cinema. Can you imagine watching a Jean Claude Van Damme movie and just being disappointed in the cinematography? <laughs> He did not age well, by the way. Like he's still in really good shape, but he just—he did not age well. Imagine being somebody who cares about film and like the art of filmmaking, and you're watching a John Claude Van Damme movie and breaking it down the way that you would a real movie. You got a problem with that? Amazing. You guys want to hear the full storyline between his tax problems and his legal battle with his wife for the custody of his daughter? These are hard times for the action movie star who finds that even Steven Seagal has pinched a role from him. In JCVD, Jean-Claude Van Damme returns to the country of his birth to seek the peace and tranquility he can no longer enjoy in the United States. Yeah, sign me up for that. Let's add that to the list. I'm on. All right. I'm definitely in. Okay. If you guys insist. Yeah, he doesn't look good. This is a democracy after all. I think. All right. Mackie and Jeb with Rami learn a new sport. And we're going to pivot from Quino, the host of Crafty Rogues, to Callum Williams, the voice of Minnesota United. Callum, we're here for you to teach us all about cricket. We know nothing about cricket. And we want you to tell us everything you know about cricket and why we, during this time of no sports in America, should look to take on uh, and expand our sports culture. Can I start with, with my theory? For Callum? Yes, please. All right. Don't take offense to this, please, but... 
I'm convinced that cricket isn't a real sport. It's just a prank on America. Y'all send highlights of that over here to confuse us and make us wonder exactly what the hell is going on there. You're bouncing the ball. The bats are weird-shaped. You're bouncing it off a stick that's behind the batter. Games go on for days. Cat's out of the bag. The jig is up, Callum. Just admit it. It's not a real sport. This has been a prank on America for over 100 years. Yeah, it's just like baseball, right? <laughs> I knew that was coming. Rami, you set yourself up because it's the same sport to them. <laughs> it just seems no, so look, random I mean, when I watch it. It seems wild and random. Well, see, here's the thing about it, though, is people think the exact same when they watch baseball as well, all across the entirety of the world. So <laughs> I think, um, look, no, in all seriousness, I, I understand it, it, it can be quite bizarre watching it, and especially if you're not familiar with how it works and the rules. Um, it, it's like it's like any sport, really, when, when you don't know the rules. It, it can be quite complicated. But cricket is um, it, it's an interesting one because it's, it's actually, at least to my knowledge, it's the second most popular sport in the world uh, behind soccer. The reason for this is because it is huge across the Middle East, even bigger across the, the Asian market. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, I mean, if you think of the, think of the popularity of India, just for a start, you know, um, it's, it, 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 it is a gargantuanly supported sport. Um, and I understand, you know, that the bat is, is different to the baseball bat. Um, you know, there's, there's no catcher behind the base or, or how do you, you know, I, I know it. It's so strange. It's so different. Um, but look, ultimately, it's it is um, it, it's a very well supported sport. And I, I'm I'm here for the questions, chaps. Find them to me. How is it scored? <laughs> so that was a serious question, by the way. That was, a, that was a very cryptic laugh to a very serious question. Cal, Cal, Cal just laughs and hangs up. Exactly. <laughs> Look, I mean, so the, the thing is as well, to confuse you even more, there are various different forms of the game as well. So there's T20 cricket, which I won't go into because that's a different uh, level of cricket and it's by far the most popular version of it at the moment. But let's just simply talk about a, a test game, shall we? And um, somebody mentioned it earlier on about that, yes, it, it can go on for, for five days. That's usually what people tend to do is play a five-day test series. Um, but what essentially happens is the bowler um, usually uh, you know, approaches the, what we would call batsman. Um, and essentially, you know, what he's got to do in six bowls, he's got to get that batsman out. Now, there are several ways you can do that. The most common way of doing it and the most obvious way of doing it is by hitting the stumps behind the batsman. Now, if he does that, the batsman's done, out, no problem at all. So if he does it once, other, if he does it once? If he does it once, correct. All he's got to do is hit the stumps and the batsman's done. The other way, which is, is not too dissimilar to baseball, is obviously if the ball hits the bat and if the ball doesn't hit the ground, if it's caught in mid-flight then the batsman is done. So that's similar to baseball, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same exact thing. Um, yes. And so, so there we go. There are similarities already. Uh, the other one, which um, is a little bit more confusing, it, it's, it's a rule called LBW, which means leg before wicket. So basically when you're executing um, various different swings with the cricket bat, you, you sometimes, most times, depending, say, for example, if you're, if you're right-handed, 
your step forward with your left leg most of the time, particularly as well if you see a decent opening and you want to launch the ball fairly aggressively, you tend to take a step forward because it, it gives you power to, to launch the ball forward uh, and away from all the fielders. Um, if the ball, however, hits the leg and it was going straight directly towards the wickets and was going to hit the wickets, the batsman is done. And it's called LBW, leg before wicket. Okay. Uh, Callum, how, how do you determine, like in baseball, the way you determine if a hitter is good or not, you can you can look at their batting average, right? If they if they mm-hmm. uh, if they're hitting three hundred, they're a good hitter. If they get on base at a four hundred clip, they're a great on base uh, machine. And then there's home runs. If a guy has thirty home runs, he's a good power hitter, right? What are the measure mm-hmm. What are the measurements for for telling you whether a hitter is decent or garbage in cricket, or a, or yeah, it, a it, batsman, I should say. <laughs> Yeah, look, it, it, it's not too dissimilar in, in that sense. But you know, you look at the batting average, and you, you look at, at how many runs the, the batsman has scored, or how many um, how many points. So, for example, there's other ways that the ways to score points if you're the batting team is you've got. So, you imagine you're the batsman, right? You've got another batsman opposite you who is not involved in the game. If I hit the ball, if I'm the batsman and I hit the ball, and it goes into the field and it's not gone anywhere, but it's just gone into the field, right? It's just a loose ball. If I want to get a point, I then have to run up to the opposite batsman who, who then has to run the opposite way. That's a point, okay? Okay. You with me? Right. Yeah. The other way, and, and probably the most common way to do it, and, and it's certainly the most aggressive way of, of trying to do it, is when the batsman hits the ball, if it rolls on the floor and it goes out of, out of bounds, then it's four points. But if it's up in the air, if the ball's up in the air, and it goes out of bounds, that's six points. Mm. So those are the most effective ways to get points in, in cricket with, if you're the batting team. As I said, from a, from a bowler's point of view, you want to stop that happening as, as much as you can. So what is a common, like what's the average end of match score? Uh, it depends There's on the variation of the cricket. Um, you know, you, you can have, you know, 238 for 10 or whatever, you know. Um, and that's, you know, uh, a, a fairly decent score in cricket. But, I mean, what, what you will have to do here is you'll have to get Quinno on at some stage because Quinno is the, the cricket connoisseur, no doubt about it. But the thing about it is, though, He's a little bit sour at the moment because England are much better than Australia. Um, so I, I keep hearing about the fact that his phone isn't working. I don't believe it at all. I just think Australia aren't very good at the moment, and he's not very happy. <laughs> what are the dimensions of the field? Like, there's a standard a football field is 100 yards long and I think 50 yards wide. I don't know exactly. And the, the, so there's stand the, from home plate to first base in baseball is 90 feet. What are the standard measurements of a playing field in cricket? Um, Are there standard measurements? um, There's no real fixed dimensions to the field, but I believe it's usually it's usually something like I think usually in in the in the area where where all this is taking place, like I said, and there's um, the batsman and and the bowler. I think it's I think it's 150 feet or or something along those lines. I'm not entirely sure there, chaps. You might have to you might have to ask your good friend Google there. I'm not entirely sure, <laughs> um, but it's it's a large field, no doubt about it. Uh, again, 
it, it's not too dissimilar to a baseball field. If you think of, you know, where, where the individual is pitching to the batter, just imagine that happening in the center of the field. But it, it's probably a little bit bigger than that. All right, I'm going to play this highlight again. And now that we've had a crash course education in cricket here from our buddy Callum Williams, let's see if we can dis- decipher what's happening in this highlight again, okay? Brilliant performance by Morgan. 67 from 30 balls, it's 459 to 5. Brilliant hundreds from Johnny Bairstow and Alex Hales setting them up. Jason Roy was no less good, and Owen Morgan was to set an all-time record. Just 22 runs came for the final 15 balls of the innings. It was rather a case of after the Lord Mayor's show. There are the partnerships, 159, 151, and 124. Brilliant, as I say, and we'll be repeating it, I'm sure, for a long time yet. Well, that sounded very eloquent. I, st- I, st- I still need I still need more studying, gentlemen. <laughs> Ronnie, still need more studying. <laughs> go ahead and tell us what we saw. M- me, I know that was English, and I still feel like I was like it was a- another language. <laughs> I have no idea what I just heard. Like a DJ, all right, setting well, up a record. Well, to me. We will study up. This has been another episode, or the first episode of Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Learn a new sport. Callum Williams from Minnesota United. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Callum. Yep, thank you very much indeed. All right, that is uh, Callum stepping in there. No idea. I still have no idea what's happening. I don't either. I don't know. Zero clue. And that's not Callum's fault. No, he did a great job. Yeah, and I know it's a sport. I just don't. I can't tell. So the field of play is behind the batter too. Is that what he was saying? Yes. Did I catch that right? So like the batter's box is in the middle of the field. It's like second base basically is where the batter's box is. Essentially, yes. So you can hit it behind you. Mm -hmm. If you angle the bat correctly, it can go behind you. Launch angle. Okay. That would be interesting if baseball really wanted to shake some things up. Why don't you uh, move put, the action to second a, base? And... Put the batter's box in second base. <laughs> see, what, see what happens. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, uh, today it was announced this morning that the NFL draft will go on as scheduled. So much to the chagrin of teams and owners and general managers trying to figure out logistically how do we get together if we can't all operate from the same room, the same war room. Somebody needs to introduce NFL front offices to teleconferencing and Zoom chats. But uh, since the NFL draft is going to continue on in a month from now as ordinarily scheduled, that means so will we with our mocking. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. And gentlemen, over on NFL.com. We have from Chad Reuter, I believe is how you pronounce it. Rami, is it Chad Reuter or Reuter? Ryder. Chad Neither Ryder. Neither of those is Chad Ryder. Fair actually, enough. Yes. <laughs> Four round 2020 NFL mock draft. Six trades shake up the first round. Let's fire up some NFL Six? music here. Six trades shake up Ooh, the first buddy. round. It's actually a, it's a four round draft, but we're going to just give you the Vikings two picks in the first round here, okay? And a couple of the trades. So he's got Joe Burrow going to the Bengals at number one overall. Then he's got Tua going to Washington at number two overall. Mm-hmm. He's got the Dolphins trading up to get Justin Herbert, number four overall. Or the, did I say the Dolphins? Yeah, projected trade with Giants. Dolphins taking Justin Herbert. Uh, then we go down, down, down to number 22, where NFL.com has the Minnesota Vikings taking with their first first-round pick, Denzel Mims, wide receiver from Baylor. Not the first time we've seen that. That was Mel Kuyper's mock draft, right? That is correct. Ah. Yes. Mm. The pick right after Denzel Mims is to the 
what you would think would be the New England Patriots, but this is a projected trade where the Chargers are getting Jordan Love, quarterback, Utah State. And that brings us to pick number 25, where the Minnesota Vikings select edge rusher, Penn State. Is it pronounced Yetter, Gross, Matos? Sure. Yep. Like that. Yeah, I yep. want to mock. Yep. Cool. mock. I want to mock. mock. There it is. Gentlemen, if the Vikings wound up with a wide receiver and an edge rusher in the first round, how would you feel about that? They need both of those things. So if that if they're if they're among the best players on the board when those picks come up, yeah, I'm good with them taking guys at those positions. Those are needs. Those are absolutely needs with Diggs and Griffin gone. If you're not going to go out and make a trade for to acquire a left tackle, I want a left tackle. I want left tackle taken care of. It's a foundational piece. Wide receivers, you know, it depends on who's available, but they aren't necessarily foundational pieces. I'm not saying that you can find them throughout the draft. You can find them. Uh, I'm not trying to downplay their importance, but I really think, how are you not going to shore up Cousins' blindside? I got the second round pick if you wanted to. I just scrolled over here. I want to mock! Mock! If we want to, like we wouldn't I want, want to. to mock! Mock! The 58th overall pick from Tulsa. Cornerback Reggie Robinson, the second. I want to mock. mock. They got him. Reggie Robinson, the second. Reggie Robinson, the second. Cornerback Tulsa. Rami's excited. So excited, man. That was my guy. I was targeting him the whole time. Do you have the third round by chance? I mean, well, can I ask a simple question? Where's Randy? That's a great question. We haven't heard like, from him in like, like two you mock, weeks. Like you're mocking, and all I'm thinking of is I miss Randy. I do too. Maybe we can hear from him on Monday. Randy in Cottage Grove, at Randy Vike 69 on Twitter. I mean, am I wrong here? Call our show Rami, on Monday. am I wrong? No, you're right. I feel like we're, no, mo- you're absolutely right I feel like we're mocking, but we're just mocking for the sake of mocking. Judd, I told you, I want to do a long-form interview with Randy and get his origin story. <laughs> you really? Yeah. I want to know. Can you handle it? I want to know what, you can- what makes Randy tick. What goes into making wow. a Randy? That's what I want to know. Well, you're going to peel back... That curtain and look behind it. I want all the layers of that onion. I think it's just Bud Light, man. (laughs) Oh, oh! I think it's so much more than Bud Light. Yeah, it's peach schnapps. Yep, exactly. It's all of those things. Touchdown shots. Touchdown shots. Yep, of course. (laughs) Yep. All right. Judd emailed us earlier today and said, "I want all your crazy ideas. How would you? How would you operate and fix baseball the rest of this season? I want to throw something at you guys when we come back here." And we'll wrap with Roycey. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Score North. It's Phil Mackie here. For my friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which was once again named a top 150 workplace by the Star Tribune. That's the second year in a row. The Star Tribune also named Jeff Fetters top CEO for large companies in Minnesota. Federated was also named a 2019 Ward Group top performer nationally. The people of Federated, as you can tell by my uh, raving and bragging about them here, the people at Federated are the absolute best, whether it's uh, the CEO level or the people on the ground building those face-to-face relationships with you business owners out there. We're talking about 100-plus years of experience in Owatonna, Minnesota, helping business owners become as successful as they can be. When your business wins, Federated wins and vice versa. You get that great personal relationship. You can find out more at federatedinsurance.com where you can find a full list of all the industries Federated protects. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. 
Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll let you know here something we're partnering up with. Score North has partnered with the Ronald McDonald House Charities Upper Midwest to help ensure that our area children continue to receive the meals and care that they need during the coronavirus outbreak. Thanks to Louisa Rise and Minnesota Twins, one lucky person who makes a donation of any amount will receive a signed Louisa Rise Minnesota Twins jersey. Your contribution enables the Ronald McDonald House Charities Upper Midwest to continue to provide critical services to families dealing with a child's health crisis. Those services include overnight accommodations, complimentary meals, fully stocked pantries, laundry, and more. To donate, please visit scorenorth.com keyword donate. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment of the week of Mackie and Judd with Rami. Thank you, Jonathan. Man, the feedback on Mackie and Judd with Rami action movie rewind blood sport is just flowing into Twitter. At Phil Mackie, at Jay Zolgad, at Rami is tweeting. Uh, Matt tweets into the show here. He says, you guys need to just pivot from sports talk to full-time action movie reviews. I was reviews. just going to say this. Do we just ditch the sports talk format and switch to action movie review radio? What if that's what we were 24 <laughs> hours a day? Oh, we'd be Keanu. We'd be talking, we'd we be talking Patrick Swayze. It'd be so much fun. Listen, at some point. Roadhouse radio? Somebody Roadhouse. In, in the mid-1980s, in, the ni- in 1987, people got into a room and said, what if we did sports 24 hours a day on WFAN? All right, and it was crazy at the time. What if what if that was the next ticket here? Twenty. We're not going to have live sports. We're probably never going to have, have live have sports again. Song? No one's going to want to be in a stadium theme with each song? other anymore. Score North knows the score of the movies. Nope. <laughs> Coming out direction movies. No, no. If, if there was going to be a song, you just ruined that. I think I think every song has to be just from the Bloodsport soundtrack. <laughs> oh, there's so much more than that. The love, the, the love song theme is the best. What if for just one day we flip formats? <laughs> to sports talk, instead of sports talk, it was just all action movie talk. Action movie talk. I'm going to write that down. We're going to do that. 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. We're going to do that. The entire local block is just breaking down action movies. You know who would actually go along with this? Probably. We could send a, a text to our buddy, Mike Golick Jr. They would totally do this on Golick oh, and Wingo, too. Yep. Yep. Jason Fitz would do it on ESPN Radio. I claim Seagal. You want like a three-hour block? or what? I want to break down What does it mean, Seagal. I claim Seagal? I want Seagal I films. Know. I'm feeling comfortable with that Hard statement. Hard to kill. All of those That's films. his beat. That's what he's saying. Yeah, Jed wants to be I on the Seagal, Seagal, Seagal beat. Yeah. I claim Seagal. And Bronson. Bronson, old school, okay. but it's fantastic. All right. I claim Schwarzenegger. Oh, you got, no, you, got, you can't. You guys no, got him. No, fight over I'll fight you oh, over Schwarzenegger. You got, you got Arnold. I'll fight you over Arnold. Both I will absolutely fight you over Arnold. Get to the chopper. Better Arnold impression wins. How about that? Get to, ah, ah. <laughs> Just, choppers, the choppers. You just scream the chopper. Right, Rami, choppers. That's, 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 Rami, that's the whole it. thing. Let's Come on, Rami. Rami. Come on, talking smack. Get down. No. No. No, get down. Get to the chopper. We've got to get out of here now. We've got to go. We've got to get out of here. Come with me if you, you want don't to understand. Live. You know, we have to be social distancing and... Washing out hands and doing all the things and being What's responsible. Where where he's on the plane and, and he's supposed to be transported and he breaks the guy's neck and, and then gets out through like the lavatory and the plane takes off. It, it's a jumbo jet. It takes off and he like comes down through the wheel well. Oh, and kindergarten dr- cop. No, yeah. 
kindergarten. No, it wasn't the one with Danny DeVito, Phil. <laughs> that was not kindergarten cop. That was twins. You're a liar. But You're he, a liar. But he does that breaking the neck thing that that, that was so popular at, at that, that time where you just like would turn Are an actor's head. you thinking of True Lies? It might be True Lies. But you just turn a, a guy's head and they play this like snap. And then you think, oh, he broke his yeah, neck. Yeah, you know what? So having watched a million of those type of movies in the '90s, and then going to my first chiropractic appointment five oh, years no. ago, you were terrified, dude. I thought I was. I thought Chuck Norris killed me. <laughs> you thought that was, I was like a blood sport. He was like gearing. He was like gearing up to crack my neck, and he. What if your chiropractor it. sounded like Arnold? He's like, okay, now just relax. <laughs> this is going to feel weird at first, <laughs> but just try to breathe, and all these things. <laughs> <laughs> Rami, if you oh if my. you get the the Arnold beat, you have to talk as Arnold for the yes. entire three hours. Just stay loose. Do not tense up. Who's got Keanu? You'll feel very relaxed when this is all over. Who's got Keanu Reeves? Oh, I got it. Well, I think Jonathan and I are going to fight for Keanu just because I want John Wick, man. I want John Wick. I want we jo- should put jo- John Wick has to be on this list of action movies. Absolutely, for you, right? yeah. But it's actually a good film. John Wick is actually Does a good speed film. qualify? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, speed's on the list. Yeah, definitely. I love speed. We didn't set a time frame for the action movies. We just said action movie review. This could last for months. Who knows? Jonathan's <laughs> right. True. Hey, listen. John Wick has to be on it's here. Not, it's not implausible that like the NFL season gets canceled and we are yeah. doing action movie reviews every day on this show. This could become popular. I like it. All right. Uh, John Wick. We'll put John Wick on here. It's good. <clears throat> That's true about John Wick, though. Is John Wick too good? It might be too good of a movie. Like I said, it's actually a good I, film, I think. I think it we is. can still do it. Okay. I think we can still I'm review down. the movie. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it on the list. Just we'll one John Wick? Just the first one? Uh, for now. Yeah, we'll see. Because, like, Speed 2 is awful. Speed 2 is awful. See, I John, Wick to do speed. And John Wick 3 are not awful. They no, are both all good movies. movies. I prefer All good movies. I prefer just Speed. Okay. These are all on the list. Speed 2 was on a boat, and it didn't involve Keanu. Because they couldn't get... Cause That's I think right. Keanu, he wasn't even in it, was he? It was... Um, oh, Sandra Bullock? And It was Sandra Bullock and um, Jason something, I think. Hmm. Statham? Honestly, I don't remember. I haven't seen... I, haven't I don't seen remember Speed, Speed 2 if I did years. watch it. It was on a, it was on a boat. I mean, you know, because... people it was on a are blowing, big, like, cruise ship, wasn't it? Of course, because people are blowing stuff up constantly. Jonathan, you know how that works? Yeah. Hold on, speed two. That's the second most dangerous a cruise ship has ever been. Chad says, tweets into the show, at Phil. Oh, my God. (laughs) And the evil laugh just makes it worse, Rami. Chad tweets in, at Phil Mackey, at Jay Zolget, at Rami is tweeting, I can't tell who's who when Phil and Rami are having their own. What do you mean you can't tell who's who? Get down, Chad. My Arnold is so much better. Chad, log off Twitter. How dare you? <laughs> Get to the choppers. Jason Patrick. Jason Patrick. Patrick. Okay. Just keep doing uh, that Arnold impression. I'm going to call Royce here. And that's, all he's gonna, <laughs> that's the first thing he's going to hear. He's going to hang up real quick. Speed 2, cruise control. That was the subtitle. All right. Uh, all right. I think we should watch Jingle All the Way. <laughs> Local connection. Yeah, that was filmed in Minnesota. What was your baseball idea, Mackie? You, you want it? Okay. Yeah, let's get to it. All right, here's what I would do. I know Rami's been doing this all week on Score North Live, weekdays, noon to two. But this is an idea that <laughs> I don't any think... any time you want on the Score North app, you left that part out. I don't think, uh, I don't think this idea made it to, to Score North Live. So, first of all, my entire premise when it comes to baseball is, I just want, I need some more appointment viewing, all right? 
you know, college basketball is meaningless and boring for the most part in the regular season. And then it's like the most must-watch thing ever for one month because it's all single elimination. It's crazy. You, you, underdogs are popping up all over the place, right? So here's what I would do with baseball. I would borrow from the College World Series, which what they do is they have a 64-team bracket broken up into eight super regionals. So they basically have like eight mini tournaments to crown the eight teams that get to the College World Series, and then that's another bracket, and it's like best out of three, okay, or double elimination, then they play a couple series. So I would play a shortened regular season this year where all 30 teams are just jockeying for seeding position. I would temporarily ditch leagues and divisions and just play equal schedules across the board. And every team, just for uniformity, can use a DH if they want to, which they probably would. Just for uniformity for this year across all, it's an experimental time period. And so the goal would be to create a 12-team World Series playoff where the top eight regular season teams automatically make it to the playoff bracket. So if you're one of the top eight regular season teams, congratulations, you are in the World Series playoff bracket. In order to determine the other four teams, here's what I'm doing. The six worst regular season teams are just out. They can go home, all right? So we have eight automatic bids, and then the worst six teams are out. And that leaves us with 16 teams, all to be paired off into eight single elimination win-and-in qualifier games to get to the World Series playoff bracket. It's two days. It's eight games. It's win-and-in. If you get in, now you're part of the 12-team World Series playoff bracket, all right? Or the whatever, the 16, whatever I do, yeah. whatever the math is. Yeah. All right. It's a World Series playoff bracket. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once you're in, then like the first couple rounds are are quick, like single elimination or best of three. Mm-hmm. And the goal is to get to the championship semifinal round and the World Series round. But the main point here is let's turn the regular season into a seeding portion. Yes. And then let's create some single elimination fun and then some two out of three fun to get to the World Series playoff. How would you guys feel if that's how baseball transformed? I'm in. I mean, like I said yesterday. I'm in for sure. Just give me baseball. I really don't care how it's packaged. It's not going to be what we're used to. We may find out that we like some of these changes that they implement, whether it's the put a runner on second for extra innings with one out, whether it's seven innings, uh, scheduled double headers like that. There may be things in the schedule, Phil, that I don't think I like, but maybe I'll like them. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think I'd like asparagus when I tried it, but I tried it. It's delicious. It's great. A little olive oil, salt, pepper. It throw it good. on the grill. It is good. Great. Doesn't sometimes, smell great, but sometimes yeah. you don't know you like something, and then you find out you indeed do like it. So I'm good. I'm good with that. Asparagus is great until you have to go exactly. to the bathroom. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. And, and and because you are doing something that sounds like it largely mimics the NCAA basketball tournament, mm-hmm. the Red Sox and Astros are ineligible. Sure. I'm banning them. That's I'm fine with that. Yeah, you don't get it. Sorry, you get to play in the regular season because we just need like an even yeah. number of teams. But, you have to play. But, uh, but I, I would be fine with that. But if we play, so I think we'll start in, in July. But let's say we play... Something between what will amount to a 50 to 80 game regular season. That to me is a perfect, cause they can try anything. Yeah. I mean, the college, the college world Worst series, case, it stinks and we don't like it. I like the college world series, not because it crowns the best team all the time, but it's just fun. I don't know. Uh, Patrick Ricey 
do you like my idea of of mirroring the College World Series more with a playoff format if you're Major League Baseball for just this year, just to make just to spice it up, and see what happens? Uh, I like tell me how many games you're going to play first. If it's if it's under a half a season, then you can do something weird. If you play if you play ninety games, you're fine. You know you can that's that's plenty. You can uh, crown a uh, you know a regular. You can have a regular playoff system if you play over half of them. If you play under half, then you're going to probably have to do something. But I think Manfred is going to use this. To push his idea of getting more teams into the playoffs, the uh, you know long term, the uh, idea that he was going to that's being kicked around of having seven teams in each uh, in each league to uh, be in the playoffs, which is one of the dumbest things ever. But I think he might use this as his excuse to try to get that started. You know, don't you? Yeah, something like that. You know, so I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, him, him use this as. Uh, as to to try run out there some of his gimmicks and see how well the public likes it. But the trouble with those is gimmicks last. Uh, you know, people like gimmicks when they first start off, and then after a while, they're not so sure about them. So, Pat, we were talking yeah. with Bug Shiambi from ESPN the other day, though, and he made a solid point, and I think I'm guilty of this too. That in every other sport, it evolves, rules change, the product changes. And people just kind of go along with it. Why are we so stuck in baseball? And I'm like I said, I'm as guilty. I'm as guilty of it as anyone. You're playing a hundred. How many games are you going to play? No, I just mean when you, you want to play. You want to play 162 games and then let some jackasses who won 80 into the playoffs and win two out of three. And uh, you know this. The, the the reason baseball is different is that you play 162, and even if you cut it to 154. Uh, you have to put some stock in a regular season when you're playing for six months, six days a week. That's why. I just mean in general when it comes to trying new things. And if there's any year to try new well, things, are, this is what it. What do you mean? Well, they've tried plenty of new things. They're, they're trying plenty of new things. I, you know, some of them are uh, rather stupid, and uh, the ones that, uh, but but to put seven teams in a in in the playoffs is absolutely idiotic in a sport where you play 154, 162 games. You have to cut the shaft out of the wheat when you're playing that many games. You you can't sell the idea of uh, of, of having teams that aren't 500 getting into the playoffs when you got 100. 62 game season. See, uh, let me let me use like basketball and hockey. I'll, I'll I'll use basketball specifically as an example here. And that basketball, you know, obviously they could do whatever they wanted to. Like if they wanted to play 120 regular season games and then only invite, uh, you know, 12 or 10 teams to the playoffs and do it that way, they could. But the NHL and basketball decided, listen, all right, let's let's have two month long playoffs and invite more teams because that's the more exciting thing to watch. And and let's let's do it that way. Could, would you be on board with a scenario where baseball cut regular season importance down and lengthened postseason, not to end in November, but like the postseason starts in August or September or something like that, and it's longer? Uh, I don't think it can happen because teams don't. Well, you know, what about the poor saps that uh, you know they, their, their economics are based on playing long seasons. Yeah. They're, you know, getting their regional TV contracts, having these, you know, huge number of games to give their regional TV contracts. They got, they got the huge number of 
games to charge season ticket holders for. I don't think you can just all of a sudden say, uh, you know, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to cut you. If, if you stink, we're going to cut 20 home games out of your bottom line, by the way. But, <laughs> hey, you keep paying and trying to compete, boys. So, you know, I, I just think baseball is a different animal. And it, it should be accepted as thus, at least as far as the playoffs are concerned. Now, this year, because of, uh, you know, who knows how long a season we're going to have, if we're going to have one. But, uh, you know, then you can probably do some goofy stuff. Yes, you probably can. I mean, we did it in 81. They came up with the eight-team tournament, which did not include the team with the best record in the National League. Hey, the split League. season was uh, great very, fun. Those second-half twins were very, great. Very very interesting. Yeah, we still got we published we have printed playoff tickets with one of the worst baseball teams I have ever witnessed. Calvin was thrilled. They were uh they were forty one and sixty eight total that year. Yep. But they were giving permission to print playoff tickets because they were five hundred or four five hundred after like twenty games of the second half. So uh, you know, this certainly will be a year for Manfred to try a bunch of his stuff. That's for sure. The only trouble with baseball is they got a commissioner that hates baseball. <laughs> that's not a good <laughs> thing. Kind of problematic. Hey, Ricey, no. the toy cannon, di- the toy cannon died, man. What happened? I, you know what? I was very, uh, well, he was 78, but, uh, I know, but it's still sad. Virus, I don't oh, know. Yes, I've yes. been looking for a they cause play. of death. I can't find it. Apparently a great player. I mean, a great guy by all accounts. But do you realize that John Wilson, the sports writer for the Houston Chronicle, coined the name the Toy Cannon not because of his home run power, but because of his throwing up? No. I thought it was because of his power. Well, it became Hmm. that. But uh, when he originally uh, started it, it was because of his uh, wonderful throwing arm. He threw some guy out early in his career. John uh, called him, which is one of the last great nicknames in baseball, by the way. Yep. Because it's uh, real. The toy cannon. By the way, did you see what happened to one of my hero heroines in journalism, Maggie Hopperman? No. No, what happened? At the New York Times. She sent out a tweet saying, oh, Bill Buck oh, yeah. died. And said, "Oh no!" And uh, that was last year. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was a late. It was so a delay. She, she was confused. She she's getting killed because, of course, there's a lot of Times haters out there because they uh, they uh, support the uh, 45th president of the United States, who by today announced that people in Michigan and Washington should be allowed to die because he doesn't like their governors. Well, he didn't exactly say that, but that's pretty much what he inferred. So. <laughs> Easter Sunday, Pat. It's going to be great. Can't wait. It's going to be great. Easter Sunday, I, you know, other people are saying, God, it's going to be horrible. The next day. If we get through the next two weeks, we're okay. Let's go. Open her up. Come on. Everybody everybody, uh, go to church. Did you see the... Did you see that guy who does the, the, the Trump impersonation that's on, floating around? Twitter? Somebody was telling me about yes, this. Yes, yeah, I was so oh, good. I was crying he is watching perfect. it. It's unbelievable. He is and the thing is, he calls it like the Trump podcast. So yes. it's like they, all, the, all the believers are tuning into it, not knowing. I've watched three of them, Pat. Wait, I was should, crying. What should I search here? Just Trump on, podcast? Trump podcast? It's right, we'll unbelievable. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the guy's good. The guy is because he's got the delivery there, it's uh, it is pretty funny. Uh, Pat, before we before we say goodbye, give us a couple weekend recommendations here. 
quarantine weekend uh, recommendations. Okay, you like rom-coms, right? Oh, yeah. You got Hulu. Yeah. Uh, plus one. Plus one? Plus one. There's a gal on there, Maya Erskine. Okay. Uh, Asian chick who's playing the, the frustrated girlfriend who gets dumped. It is hilarious, in my opinion, because she is great. Plus one, there's a rom-com for you. Wow. Who, who thought they'd get a rom-com? And the other news is I'm getting a divorce because my wife has already watched four episodes of Ozark, which came back today, <laughs> without me. Oh, wow. I said, hey, oh. I said, hey I said, hey, honey, we can watch Ozark tonight. She said, I've been watching it all afternoon. That's it. That's a reason for divorce. Wow. That's like, the final straw? Yes. That's after it. all that's of this, right. that's the final straw. The, reason for divorce. Of, she watched Ozark. In the, middle, in the middle of a complete shutdown, she goes up and watches. So I, that without me, I can't believe it. Irreconcilable I, streaming differences. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, isolation I, is going to be at the root of a lot of divorces. Because I like to make pithy remarks during the shows, but sure. there's nobody, you can't be pithy to yourself. You know? Agreed. What good does pithy do if you're talking to yourself? You know? True. Uh, well, Pat, enjoy uh, enjoy filing that paperwork, and we'll talk to you Monday. Yeah. See you, Royce. That's uh, wrapping with Royce. The key is social distancing practiced within your own house, Rami. That's the key. I'm going to tell you right now, wife and I have never been on better terms. She's downstairs, I'm upstairs, social distancing, even in your marriage. Yeah, give each other some space. Very important. You're used to it. Especially when you're watching Bloodsport by yourself. (laughs) And she's like, what the hell is that? You you don't even want to know, honey. Well, is it going to be much better when you're watching uh, Tight Jean, Steven Seagal, and Hard to Kill this upcoming week for the next episode? I'll take you to the blood bank, Senator. I'll take you to the bank. The blood bank. All right, bye, Rami. Enjoy your quarantine weekend. See you, boys. All right. <laughs> Mackie and Jeff with Rami and Rapping with Royce is powered by Josh Arnold Investments. As always, real quick, before we get to Josh here, another word for Scornoff's partnership with the Ronald McDonald House Charities of Upper Midwest. Uh, so Ronald McDonald House needs donations. They continue to serve meals and provide essentials to families with hospitalized kids at locations in Minneapolis. And uh, even though they had to pause their volunteer program, they are still very much helping families and kids in need. You can go to scorenorth.com, keyword donate, and one lucky donator is going to have a chance to win a Luis Arise signed jersey. Luis's favorite charity is Ronald McDonald House. So Scornorth's partnership with Ronald McDonald House, scorenorth.com, keyword donate, Judd Zolgad. Now it's time to talk to Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. You can get that straight talk by calling Josh direct. His number, 952-925-5608. Or you can listen to Josh right now with the Market Minute. Good afternoon, Josh. Judd, good afternoon. Very interesting week. As we have talked about it, the market opened down on Monday, and it was up significantly Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, today, a reversal going into the weekend. Dow finishing down 900 points. Not to worry about this this sell-off, as sell-offs typically occur or have been occurring on Fridays going into a weekend as many traders await additional negative news, this time on the coronavirus, and maybe a little bit 
trying to anticipate what companies are going to be reporting when earnings start coming out in the next next two weeks. This past week, we had some positive earnings from the likes of Micron, which is a plus for data centers. Some of the best data centers and related assets are selling at significant ass, significant discounts. One in particular, um, which is related to the data centers, um, we'll say indirectly, is Crown Castle, which operates uh, cell phone towers. Seen a high quality asset being sold off, going from $170 a share to $120 a share. Our cell phones or are our smartphones going away? No. Ability to buy some assets at a discount. That would also apply to American Tower. Another area that is selling at a big discount, and we've talked about it before, is real estate. In particular, some of the real estate investment trusts sold down significantly. Now we have an opportunity to buy High-quality real estate, again, at a significant discount in some cases. These real estate assets have sold off uh, 50% in the last three weeks. Many of them are going to continue paying significant um, payouts. Happen to like the gaming REITs. Is Las Vegas going to go away? Well, it might look so right now. But three months, six months, a year from now, they'll be up and running, and that's going to benefit many of the gaming REITs. Some you can acquire with yields in the 8 to 10% range. Mm -hmm. Yes, those yields might uh, diminish a little bit, uh, but if they diminish, it's only because these real estate trusts are acquiring more assets uh, from some of the gaming gaming companies, one in particular, gaming and leisure properties, is negotiating with Penn Real Estate right now and will acquire uh, some additional real estate for from Penn, as well as get an increase in the master uh, in their master lease. That should give gaming and leisure properties a nice upside. Ten seconds, Josh. So plenty of opportunities out there. Prepare for the volatility. If you follow the strategy that we've used, the asset allocation strategy you've used, you should have plenty of cash to do that. If not, give me a call, 952-925-5608, and I'll help you out. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 